for just about everything for the outdoors. Go to MidwayUSA.com. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Today is September 28, 2021, and we are three days out from opening day of deer season. And today's conversation is all about killing bucks on opening day. All right, welcome back to the Fall Podcast, and today is a big episode, and the reason why is because we're three days out from the opener of 2021 deer season. That's right, October 1st is this Friday for Michigan and a lot of other states as well, and uh, I couldn't be more pumped, and I think it honestly just really hit me this weekend because a lot of you guys know that listen to this and listen to this you know, frequently I am building my own house. I've been building it since uh, May and that has taken up all my time. And honestly, usually I am living, breathing whitetails every day, it feels like, but it's kind of taken a back burner and I, I've been really busy. And now like this weekend I was sitting back and I was like, holy shit, it's in three days. Like, I can't believe this. So I had this idea on the other line is my good buddy, Tyler Bentley. You guys have heard a lot from him lately. He's been on a couple episodes, but, um, you know, to get everybody, you know, thinking about opening day, I wanted to get into a story. I was thinking about an idea to do a podcast this week. I wanted to get into a story about the only buck that I've ever killed on October 1st and it happened in 2016. I haven't really gone in depth with this story. You know, I think I've done, or I've talked about bits and pieces of this buck, um, in all their podcasts, but I was talking to Tyler about it. And he's like, dude, let me come on and help you co-host this because I got some questions about this. He really doesn't even know this story, but uh, this is my best bow buck from Michigan. Um, if anybody's wondering what the score is, he scored 118 inches as a seven point. He broke his eighth point off, you know, you know, about a week or two right before I killed him. I had pictures of this deer all through summer, filmed them and everything, and uh, the story is pretty cool. So without further ado, Tyler is on the other line. Can you hear me, man? Nothing much. So today, you know, you and I've talked a little bit and you're going to kind of take over the reins a little bit and, and you have a list of questions, which you have not told me these questions or, you know, said anything to me about them. So I'm, I'm interested to get into this. And I think you were taken a little back when you said, I don't think I've ever heard this story. Um, cause I've never told you or you've never heard it on a podcast. Is that kind of right? Yeah, I was kind of surprised. I, I didn't, I never knew that you killed a deer, uh, opening day. What you said it was 2016. 16 yep that's awesome man you know I, i'm kind of scratching my head a little bit coming into deer seasons opening up friday you know staring at the weather and 
when you said you killed on opening day, I was like, whoa, I, I've never heard this story. So uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm excited to hear from you, like how it went down and, you know, that type of stuff. So, yeah. And it's, it's pretty cool how it went down. And honestly, this, uh, this deer meant a ton to me just because I've talked about it before on some of these podcasts about how I feel like I get so emotionally attached to deer around here in Michigan because I see them all summer or I've hunted them year in and year out. Um, and like when that opportunity comes, I feel like it's like amplified the, the, the nerves. And, you know, I, I feel like I just get jacked up and, you know, I've talked to, I think Kurt Geyer, honestly, on a podcast about how, you know, I can go out to other states and I've killed way bigger deer with a bow and I just, I get amped up, but not as much as I do here. And it's like, the only thing I can think of is it's just that, like you get emotionally attached to a deer or a situation and it's like, I got to make it happen. Ah, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I, um, I think it's probably that. And obviously we live in Michigan. So those encounters and those opportunities are so, so slim. So like when it happens here, it just seems to be so much more sentimental because it just happens, you know, not as often here. You go out west, you go to Missouri, Iowa, you know, anywhere in the Midwest, even Ohio, you're kind of expecting to have those opportunities. So yeah. it's almost like the high isn't as high. You know, the dopamine drop isn't the same. Like when you're in Michigan and a shooter buck walks out, I don't care if he's 100 inches, you're just like, holy shit. You know, you just get, you get jacked. It's crazy because, I mean, you and I do a lot of out-of-state hunting and you know, we did, when we're out of state, we don't even pick our bow up for for deer like that. You know what I, I mean? And it's it's not like oh, big big heart throbbing. You know what I mean? Right. But here, I'm not gonna lie to you, a 105 inch buck like last year. You know, I was sitting on the farm that I killed this deer on that we're gonna get into on October second night. I had a buck come out. I looked and I see him in the in the. I was sitting in an Oak Flat and I see him come up over the hill and I'm like, oh shit, that's a good buck and. As he got closer, he got a little smaller and a little smaller, but still I was excited. And he was, you know, probably touch 90 or 90 inches or so. And I'm like, wow, like normally if I was anywhere else, I'd be like, ah, oh, it's just another deer, you right. know? Yeah. You might whisper to the camera guy, Hey, little buck, you know, not yeah. even think nothing. <laughs> it's just funny. Exactly. You know? Yep. Well, That's like cool. I said, like I said, you know, today I want to get into this story and honestly, it started off as an idea of just like getting guys amped up for opening day. But um, there's, as I, as I thought about it, there's a lot more that went into this story as far as little different, or little storylines that were different as far as like the weather, how it, you know, how it was playing out through that day. Um, my, one of my neighbors kind of gets involved in this story, which was kind of neat. So we'll get into that as well. Um how the deer approached the stand, where my stand was located. Uh, I shot the deer directly downwind of me. Um, so it, it, there's some, there's some, there's some situations in here that I think will be really cool. And I think a lot of people will take something from it and, you know, maybe, you know, be able to implement it here in three days. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, for sure, <laughs> so. man. That's, that's kind of like me. I just, I had one of my shooter bucks for this year, just show up on my farm the other day and it's got me scratching my head you know we're so close to season obviously i want to actively hunt this deer and then hearing that you're successful on opening day i want to know why you hunted where you hunted and why were you sitting in that specific spot you know what i mean because i'm, I'm guessing that yeah. you either had pictures or you had data some, something or some reason put you in that spot so i want to know exactly why you were sitting where you were for sure and so before we get into that i do want to like kick the story off from that summer. So the summer of 2016, you know, we got a 65 acre hay field at, a, at my family farm here in Michigan. And it's a great field to go up in the summer and watch deer eat on the alfalfa. Just, I mean, there'd be a hundred deer in this field. Well, there was two particular bucks that were really sticking out to us. Like when I say us, me and the other guys that hunt the property, um, there was a, a tall, tight eight pointer, the one that I shot. Um, he was he's like 16 inches wide, but he's real tall. Like his G2s are, you know, almost 10 inches or so. And I think, I can't remember exactly what they were, but he was real tight and real tall. The other one was like a tit nine that was more like 18 inches wide. And, uh, 
you know, didn't have great tine length, probably seven inch tines, but we figured they'd both hit the scale probably around 115 to 125 inches, yes. somewhere in there. So- solid Michigan bucks. Yes. Yeah, definitely. And those were the two top 10% of bucks that were out there that year. Those were going to be the, the two we were really gunning for. And, you know, I was, I was filming these deer. I have footage of both of these deer in velvet and, um, and to kind of break down the farm, it's 218 acres and it's kind of, it's longer than it is wide. Um, and on the South end of our property is where the hay field is. And it's where a main road is. Well, as the summer went on, this deer started showing up on the north end of the property. So I'm going to guess, I'm, I'm just going to throw a number out there. I'm going to say well over a thousand yards away from where he was summering. I started getting pictures of this deer in like August. Okay. And I'm talking frequent, like every day on a pattern in daylight, no dark pictures. So I'm like, okay, I found this deer's like where he he transitioned. I found out where he's living. And honestly, it happened by happenstance. Like I had a, I had a camera trail cams did play a big role in this. So if you guys are looking for a trail cam, go to exodusoutdoorgear.com. Check out everything Exodus has to offer. You can get their render. Like I've said before is my favorite. Cause I'm big into cell cams now or the Trek or the lift too. They're all great cameras. Go check them out. They they offer a five-year warranty, and their cameras are built to last. So go check out Exodus at exodusoutdoorgear.com. Uh, in our cedar swamp on the edge of a pond, and it was like a huge pinch point, and it's where like hard woods meets the swamp. And it's so it's like where oak trees meet cedars. And I put a camera right there, and all of a sudden, both of these deer, the, the tit nine-pointer and the buck that I killed, every day by them by with each other they're coming through here and i'm like wow okay so i set up a stand right there and i'm like this is where i'm gonna hunt them opening day i'm gonna jump in here i let my camera marinate the whole month of september i'm like i'm not gonna check it none of them i'm like i'm just gonna stay out you know i'm gonna take my chances this is kind of where i messed up in a way this is where i've kind of transitioned a little bit to something a little different than when I did then. I was like, I need to stay out of here, you know, and just take my chance. But I was still a little green when it comes to, you know, my whole train of thought was like, I want to stay out and just, they'll stay there. But really, you know, as I get farther into it, I'm like, okay, they're going to transition again. Like the month of September, they're going to keep right, moving. Probably going to have another switch there. You said you hung that stand in September or when did you hang the stand? I hung it right before September 1st, like end of August. August. Okay, cool. Yep. And it's, it was right in this pinch and I'm like, the deer have to come through here because there's no other way around me. Uh, And I'm like, I'm going to sit here opening morning. I really felt like it was way in the thick stuff. I really felt like I could get around the deer. I could get in the stand and just kind of let them come back and, and kill them as they come to bed. Didn't really know where they were bedding but I felt like I knew where they were. I was probably 200 yards from like where I thought they were betting. So I felt like I had a good opportunity with what the wind was that day. It was a Northeast wind. I felt like the deer were going to be cutting the wind coming from my West going East, uh, into their bed. I thought I I'm, I'm perfect. I felt like the deer would have the wind coming into their bed and, uh, I would have basically a just off wind. I didn't know that at the time, but like now looking back, I was like, okay, that was a perfect scenario. He just didn't show up that morning. So you got this. So you got the stand hung the last, like the last week or last week into August, and you're going yep. in October first to try to kill this deer. Yep. So you actually, so, you actually went in in the morning on October first. And I yes, I did. And the reason being is because it was raining. It rained all that night, and I'm like, I'm gonna get in deep, you know, and I'm I'm gonna get in in the rain. And it was supposed to stop raining like mid morning. Um, and remind you, I'm going in blind, like just, just going off like my August, like trail cam stuff. Um, right. just hoping and praying. And like I said, I'm not gonna lie to you. Like I, I didn't really know a ton about, you know, I, I knew the deer shifted in September, but it, it was one of those things that was like, man, these guys are so regular. I think they're just going to, if I keep the pressure off, I feel like they're just going to stay here. That was my whole thought right. process. Yeah. Um, I see what you're saying. You have, I mean, I've been to your family farm turkey hunting with you a couple times and yep. you have a road system through that whole property. 
Yep. So for like by the road, which would be the south side, is all the field. So you're actually pulling in in the wide open field, going back to the cabin, and then it kind of gets thicker further north you would go, like towards the back. So yep. you're actually walking all the way, like on that trail system, road system, all the way to the back to hunt. Yes. And so, I'm sorry, go ahead. You're good. So you're set up. I'm trying to picture this and all the way in the back there. And you got your stand hung on which, which side of the road back there? So I was on the east side of the road. East side of the road. Okay. I'm trying to figure where you're at. So you can get in that trail system pretty well too, even in the morning, probably because it's like kind of down. Yep. So like if you had to like slip in there, it's actually pretty good access to go hunt back in there. Yep. And and what Tyler means by trail systems, we just got really good, like nice two tracks that we've built over the years and keep them groomed for, you know, being able to get a deer out or even just, you know, getting to your stand. It's nice and quiet to be able to, you know, make a, a good ascent to, to wherever you want to hunt. Um, right. It's it's not like you're just hucking across, you know, wide yes. open timber or brush or, you know, when you're saying that a thousand yards back, it's, you actually have like a pretty nice access trail to get all the way back there. Right. And I will say like Tyler was talking about our hayfield, it's the worst setup ever. Uh, I will say that because that's, that's got to be tough. It, it is. It's hard to hunt this farm in the mornings because our hayfield is right in the front of the farm and it's the only entrance to the farm. And our cabin, we have a deer camp there. It's a nice cabin. It's, it's off. Um, basically you got to drive right through the hay field. And as you get to the back of the hay field, which is closer to the middle of the farm, our cabin sits there. So the only way to really hunt it in the morning is hope that nobody's going to come up in the morning and, and spend the night at the cabin. And that's what we did. Um, a couple of us guys, we spent the night at the cabin. So it's like, you're not coming through the field in the morning and blowing all the deer out, you know? Yeah. That's a good idea. Yep. And we had bow camp that night. So we have a whole bunch of people that kind of come up to the cabin that night. We're playing euchre, playing cards, drinking some beers. And uh, I actually got into a conversation with my, one of my neighbors. Um, and he's a really good dude. Get along with him really well. He's like, hey, man, they called this deer. Uh, I can't remember what they named the deer that I ended up killing. He's like, we got this deer. He's up in the front of the property. He's like, we're getting him on trail camp that the night before opener i'm like man did he did he shift did he move like or is he just wandering and all my pictures were in daylight and and i'll get into hit the september pictures i was getting of him as well once i get to that point but i'm like did he shift did he move and i'm like no just just stick to the course just stick you know go to the go to the thick stuff go to the point the pinch point it's thick down there i really think he's been there i think i'm gonna have an opportunity of him there and uh that's what i did and uh i woke up that morning and it's pouring rain i'm like well i'm going in you know i scooted down there got my stand real quiet the rain i mean it kind of helped me because it was loud got in there sat all morning and never saw a deer (laughs) no dang (laughs) never saw a deer and uh like my thought process then was like okay it's raining i'm gonna go check cards that was my that's a good idea yeah, do you do that as well? Like when it's raining, just kind of slip in and check cards. And I, I do for sure. You know, if you want to like, you know, move a stand or if, you, if there's something you have to do, like check cameras, like on, on if it's raining or thunderstorming and you can slip in there and do that. By the time you're back to the truck, you know, it's washing that scent out of there. And it's noise wise. There's so much noise. I mean, you could walk right by a bed of deer or you know what I mean? Yeah. Yep, so for I, sure. I do the same thing. It works good. Yeah. So that's what I did. I'm like, I'm going to go up to the cabin. I had to do some stuff midday, but I'm like, as I pull out, um, where the neighbor was talking about is in the front of our property, like where he butts up and they're getting pictures of this prop or this deer is like closer to where he was summering. I mean, like real close, a couple hundred yards. Okay. Like, man, I got a camera and a stand up there and I'm like, maybe he's coming through this, this transition. So to your question that you asked me earlier, why were you sitting there? Why was the stand there? Why do you have the camera there? I'm going to get into that okay. right now. So like on the edge of the destination food, our 65 acre hayfield, where he's been summering all year, there is probably 30 yards of pine trees that were planted back 30, 40 years ago. Now they're grown up. Not like big, like huge, tall pine trees. I'm talking, they're, they're pretty tall, but you know, 15, 20 foot tall, can't really get a tree stand in them. You know, they're not big enough, but they're all planted in rows. And then after that 30 yards of trees, 
it turns into rolling hills, oak trees. Okay. So it's like, there's a hard line. There's a hard transition. Um, and these pine trees, you can't see under them. You know, they're pretty, they're pretty thick. Well, I call it the beehive spot because there's a little trail that goes into the, goes right to where this, you know, where the pine trees meet the oaks. And there's this little opening. I made be a perfect little kill plot. It's, not that big, maybe an eighth of an acre. Well, the reason why it's there is because back in the day when, you know, my um, relatives, they still own it, but when they, they had a beekeeper come in there and he he puts bees in there, still does it to this day. And uh, there's always bee boxes around there. So we call it the beehive. Everybody just knows where the beehive is. So this, this deer, he was, we ended up calling him the beehive buck. Well, there was this little opening and it, and it worked as a transition to where when the deer would come into the destination food, it was like a big bowl. Like it was almost like a bowl was cut out of the alfalfa field and everything was like up above it. So when deer are in this bowl, you cannot see them unless you're like right on top of them. So the deer loved to use it because of the thermals. They loved entering the field right there because of the thermals. So Right. My thought and the was, cover too. The yes. cover, you know, yep. they can not be spooked, not see the. How far is this off the road, roughly? So, and I was, yeah, it's a good question because I was going to say, this is probably two hundred yards off the road, off the main road. I mean, you can. It's kind of annoying to sit in the stand because you hear cars constantly, constantly. It's not that far off the road, but you right. you would never know it was there. Um, and I just felt like. You know, when I was pre-hanging this stand in the summer, I just felt like this was going to be a great spot. And uh, because it had a couple things going for it, it had hard edge. And I, this is, it was just kind of a funnel. It was just, if you could get the wind right, it was good. And what I did is I tucked the stand in a, I think it was a maple tree. It's a big maple, but it was on the, if you can, if you can imagine the transition running east and west, Okay, the field being to the west of me, and then the hardwoods uh, being to the east, and then my neighbor where he was hunting was even farther east, like 200 yards from my stand. He had a stand on his property. Well, his property is an overgrown um, Christmas tree farm. Okay, and when I mean overgrown, when you try to walk in these trees, you cannot walk in them. They are so thick. The deer and the rabbits and the wildlife just love it. I love it. Yeah. Yes. It is thicker than hair on a dog's back. I mean, it like deer bed in it for sure. So knowing that there's bedding within two, 150 to 200 yards of me and me being the destination food, that was another factor going into like why the stand should be there. Okay. Um, Back to like the tree that I hung and the reason why I hung it, I hung it on the north side of the funnel, the east-west funnel, because I had a hill behind me and I didn't feel like any deer were going to make it around behind me. So all my movement I felt was going to be like right in front of me. Like to the north, essentially. Uh, it would have been to the south. It would have been. Oh, so, so you're facing, I see your opposite way. My, my stand is actually facing northwest. Okay. But like the movement would be back off my like back left shoulder right by me because I'm a righty. It would have been like over the shoulder, perfect shot. If that I got makes you. sense, I got you. So that morning, you yep. got out, you got out of the stand. Didn't see no deer. It's raining. You're going to check cameras. That's one of the spots you went to go check a camera at. Yes. So that camera. So there is a trail, a two track trail that is right on the edge of the field and the pine trees. So I could literally pull my pickup right up, walk about 10 steps into the pines and pull the cart and get out. Like, okay. And I was just going to pull it on the way out. So that's kind of where I was at with and, it. And vehicles aren't really going to spook them because you're only a couple hundred yards from the road in the first place. Yep. yep. So that was that was another train of thought too. And, you know, this gets farmed a lot. So there's a lot of vehicles that, I shouldn't say a lot, but farm vehicles and everything. And I felt like the deer weren't going to be right up tight to the field. I felt like right. they were going to be off in that thick stuff on the neighbors. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, having that Christmas tree farm and all those pines and stuff, you're, you're kind of already assuming like they're down bedding in that and they're going to work up through your area, which is like the transition area, and then out into the ag field. Yep. Working and the wind was east, out of the northwest. 
What's that? I said working like a deer coming from east to west. Yes. Yep. Gotcha. I felt okay. like it was going to be a great opportunity that night. Um, in the, the wind was out of the northeast. So it would have been blowing from the bedding to me, like into the open field. So I felt like I was bulletproof getting into this to just to check the camera. Yep. For sure. Okay. So you check the camera. What's on it? <laughs> well, I couldn't check it right there. I had to go home real quick and pop it into the computer. And, uh, so <laughs> mind you, this is like, this is a camera that's been marinating all, all September. So I got 30 days of pictures that I need to look at. There's a lot of pictures on there. There's a lot of young bucks. Okay. And a lot of does. <laughs> and so I keep flipping and I get to September 27th, I believe it was. Daylight picture. There he is, the beehive buck coming oh. from the bedding right by the camera. And I get like three pictures of them, <clears throat> excuse me, like three pictures of them right then in, in sequential order. I'm like, okay, so did he move or is he just like coming through, like just a one time deal? I get to the next day, he does the same thing in the evening. Oh boy. And I, I get to the next day, he does the same thing in the evening. So he did it three days in a row, all within like an hour time frame, like the same hour. And I'm like, okay, that's enough. That's all I need. Like, you know, that's all I need. It's so close to season. This is the best place I need to sit. So I went back to Weather Underground. And I don't know if anybody knows about Weather Underground. It's a weather app service that you can like go back and look at historical data, like what the weather was doing, what the wind, wind was wind doing. Wind direction, yeah. Yep, yep. So I went back, and now mind you, this is October 1st, midday, and I'm doing all this, and I'm going back like the previous five days to see if there was any pattern on what he was doing and why he was coming through. I had nothing. Like I couldn't figure out like he'd come in on like an east wind, then he'd come in on like a south wind, and then he'd come in on like a west wind. It, it just didn't what the make heck? sense. And he didn't have any any sort of pattern to him other than I just felt like he was really comfortable in the situation he was in, and he's been there before, and he's just doing that. So I'm like, no brainer. I got to sit there tonight. Right, for sure. So now that night you got the right wind for that spot. And is it still raining or is it done raining now or what's so, it doing? Yeah, so it stopped mid-morning and then I checked that camera and it started raining again midday, okay? So I'm like, well, I want to get in. I got to get in. It's overcast, no sun, no nothing. Um, it's overcast. And then the other kicker is I'm a huge Michigan football fan, so Michigan Wolverines are playing – in Madison, Wisconsin, so they're playing against the Badgers. So I'm like, I got that in my head. I want to watch the game, like, but I got a buck here that I need. To... <laughs> so, oh, so, geez. and that'll play into here in a little bit, like that little tidbit. Um, so I'm like, I just got to get in. So I literally, you know, close the computer. I, I load my stuff up. I get back to the farm and I parked up on the edge of the road. I didn't even go all the way back to the cabin or nothing. Parked there, got my stuff. I snuck into the stand. I get in. Okay. And so early. It's early. And and the and the rain was like just stopping. And, and it was supposed to be no rain the rest of the day. So you're getting into the stand as the rain's stopping. Yep. Yep. Perfect. What's the weather? Is it hot or cold or so it's pretty warm. It was actually like sixty seven degrees. It wasn't like a cold rain, if that makes sense. Like you know how you get yeah. some like really chilly cold rains. Well, this was it was it was kinda humid. Um, the wind was out of the northeast at like 10 mile an hour. So there wasn't a ton of wind, but there was enough of wind. Um, and yeah, it was, the temperature had dropped like five degrees, you know, not, nothing like, not like a cold front or nothing like that. It was just, just a normal. Just coming down drop. a little bit. Yep. 10 yep. mile an hour wind solid too, though. I mean, more and more you deer hunt, more you like like the wind. The deer move better with better wind. You know, you can move in the stand better with better wind. But right. like when you when there's no wind, you see deer come out, man, they just look like they're so on edge. They're so oh, spooky sure. because now they don't have the wind blowing at them. They can't smell very good. So they're constantly like, if you look at a deer in the wind and a deer not in the wind, you know what I mean? They act totally different. Yeah. So, no, so I ha agree. Ha having good wind is, is super important. So you got a north wind, you snuck into the stand. The rain's stopping. Now what? 
Yep, northeast wind at 10 mile an hour. So my it it was hitting me in the right shoulder, and and going to like my left shoulder. Well, hit me in the right shoulder, and it was like it kind of cut me at an angle. So when I got in the stand, I was like I was looking at this little pocket in the pine trees. It was like we're like 10 pine trees didn't grow. Like when they did them in rows, it was like just this little pocket that they didn't grow. And it was probably 15 by 15 yards by 15. And I'm like, there was like two heavily used trails. Like you could tell the deer, that's the way they take. And I'm like, and I would, I would throw, I would do my puffer and it would go right in that little pocket and it would swirl. And I'm like, shit. Like, so I'm like, I got to kill these deer before they get to this pocket. If he comes through and, um, Cause I know he wasn't going to get to my right. Like it just, there was a big hill there and, and he couldn't, it was so thick. There was, he was going to come to my left and he was eventually going to be downwind. I felt. And, uh, so I get in the stand and I uh, start streaming the Michigan, Wisconsin football game on my phone. <laughs> Na- naturally. <laughs> yes. I, I, got, I had to catch the game. It was a big game. And <laughs> that's hilarious. so that's what I started doing. And I was in early. I mean, I can't remember like, you know, early season, it's getting dark, like late, like seven, yeah. eight o'clock. I was in at like, I don't know, three o'clock. I felt okay. it was like nice and early. It, yeah. Two or three o'clock. It was like really, I knew I had a long sit. So I, I knew it was going to be a long one and I was going to watch a football game. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome, dude. So, yep. um, yeah. Tell me what happened from there. What do you start seeing deer? What's the first deer that came out or how, how'd it go from there? Yeah, so I didn't see deer for a while. I was texting my neighbor back and forth. Him and I were texting. Now, just for perspective, he is sitting straight east of me, like 150 yards on his property, or 200 yards, somewhere as crow flies. And he's hunting this deer tonight as well. He's got pictures of him. I got pictures of him. So I'm like, one of us will see him. And this is the type of neighbor, too, like, we both get along really well. I'd love to see him kill a deer, a good deer. He'd love to see me kill a deer, like... There's no like bad blood, no nothing. Like I'm, I'm not big on that. Like, That's good. You know, so you just kind of moved in on his deer, though. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, yeah. I'm doing it legally, though. I'm on my own property, so. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. I'm just gonna sit 200 yards over here. Good luck, good luck, bud. Hey, give yep, my thumbs exactly. up from the tree. Exactly. Him and I are texting back and forth, and you know, how's the night going or whatever. And he's like, I haven't seen anything yet. He's even closer to the road than I am. He's like. 50 60 yards off the road so like but it's in a different direction it's kind of weird how it works but yeah um we're just sitting there kind of bullshitting back and forth and i hear a twig snap behind me like where that hill was where i'm like oh there's no deer gonna be coming through there i look up and on top of the hill like it's an, and it's above me it's a pretty big hill there's three does working up there and i'm like okay well there is like doe bedding up on this big hill and i don't know how they got there and and uh they kind of went out of sight and that was it. I mean, I had some turkeys working behind me and, you know, I'm just sitting there watching the Michigan game and, and hours went by and I'm like, didn't see anything, you know? And all of a sudden it's getting to, getting to be that kind of prime time. It's getting a little chillier, you know, it just feels better. And obviously Michigan and Wisconsin are taking it down to the wire in the game. And, uh, all of a sudden I get a text from my neighbor and he goes, dude, he was just here within 15 yards and I couldn't get a shot at him. Oh, and I'm no like, way. I'm like, no way. I said immediately, I was like, what way did he go? Because I'm west of him. He goes, he's going straight east when he left. And I'm like, shit. Like, that deer's not going to, he's not going to come now. Like, he's literally a straight line for me. So the deer, you know. I'm it's like, going the wrong way. Yeah, well, exactly. And I'm thinking, well, here here he is. He's. I know where the deer's at. You know, you're always thinking of Stan. Man, I'd love to know where this buck's at or whatever. I know where he's at now, and he's not coming my way. So I'm like contemplating like what do you do you know you got to stick in the in the tree but yeah like he's not coming this way like, shit right. you know it was an immediate buzz kill oh. and i went back to i think i i texted him back and i said what way do you go he said he went east i'm like shit so we're kind of like texting back and forth and then i flipped the game back on my phone and it's just sitting in my lap or whatnot and literally i hear a twig snap from behind me and I don't move. And I'm like, I'm trying, I know it was close, real close. And I kind of like turn my head to the left a little bit. And at six yards, right underneath me, the buck is standing right underneath me. Oh, no. And way. I'm like, 
I go, oh my God. Like in my head, I'm like, he's looking underneath my tree. Okay. Looking out towards the field. Oh my And I'm gosh. like, what the hell am I going to do here? He's directly underneath me, behind me. The good thing is I had the tree as a barrier. You know what I mean? So I could yep. do a little bit of moving. So I put my phone in my in my hip pocket, like or not my hip pocket, but I have like a, a jacket pocket. It's like kind of like a muff in a way. Yep. And put my phone, it was easy to put like right there. And I grabbed my bow and you could just tell the deer was getting he didn't know I was there, but his sixth sense like kicked in and was like, something's wrong. Yep. Something's something like he didn't know I was above him, but he he could feel something. You could just tell. And what he did is he turned, and as he turned and started walking south, so he'd be walking away from me, I clipped my release on, and then he started turning right to come right into that little pocket at 18 yards downwind of me. So my first shooting lane is gone, where I figured I'd have to shoot him. I'm like, he's going to bust me right when he gets into this pocket. So I left a barrier of trees where if deer were coming through when I was cutting lanes, I want to be able to have an opportunity to draw. Right. And when he got underneath those trees, I couldn't see his body at all. I just drew. And then he took three more steps out and he stopped by himself perfectly, quartering away a little bit, broadside. But he had his nose in the air. He could kind of start smelling. Oh, I already had the pin on him and I <laughs> I slipped one right in. I mean, passed through right there. He kicked, goes into the field. And I'm like, Dude. I'm like, this is what, what the hell just happened? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And, uh, I didn't have a lighted knock on. Usually I always shoot lighted knocks. I have shot lighted knocks for 10 years, 12 years. This year I didn't, did, didn't have lighted knocks on. Probably me being cheap and don't want to spend $34 <laughs> on lighted knocks. And I didn't buy lighted knocks. <laughs> so I'm like, I know the shot felt really good, but I'm like, where'd I hit him kind of thing? Well, everything's wet from it raining all day. So I'm sitting there texting every, texting my buddies, texting my wife. Like I, I just shot him. How's everybody's asking, how's the hit? And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. I text my neighbor and I'm like, I just slipped an arrow through him. And he goes, no way. He's like, <laughs> you know, on, on through text. He's like, no way. I look back at from when he told me he's going, the text that he sent me from when he's going East. And from when I put an arrow in him, it was 13 minutes. Cause I text him like right after I shot him, I'm like, I just stuck him. And it was 13 minutes in between texts. So that deer made a loop somehow, got around him, and then was under me in 13 minutes. You, th- you think your neighbor was fibbing to you? <laughs> I don't know. I think he was I think he's he was like, being. He's like, shit, it's going right towards Aaron. <laughs> nope, going the wrong way, bro. Might as well climb down. <laughs> I guess I never thought about that, but maybe. I don't know. He never said Because then he before. snuck up on you. You know, if, if you'd have been ready, I wonder how you would have reacted differently if you'd have been like, dude, he's coming your way. Would you have been on pins and needles with your, you know, oh, bow in I your hand? I would have been boring holes in that direction, but yeah. I wasn't. You know, and I, where that deer stepped out, I would have been able to watch him come for like probably 60 or 80 yards, you know, before so, I could shoot him. I wonder how that would have played out differently. Because if you'd have had your bow in your hand and he'd have came from that way, would you have been trying to shoot him earlier? Or I wonder how that scenario would have played out a little different. I probably would have tried to force it and try to shot him earlier before he got to my wind. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. So, um, so him being able to sneak in and kind of then, you know, like you said, his sixth sense kicked in and kind of burgered him off a little bit, just enough for you to shoot yeah. him. Like, I, I don't think if it, I wonder if it would have happened a little differently, how it would have went down. I don't know. I, I probably would have forced it, and I probably would have got like that emotionally deta- attached, and I probably would have, you know, my heart would have been coming out of my chest. But this is like I've talked about it before. You know, I've used a baseball reference of playing third base, like, and then playing shortstop. You know, you get more time to think about it when you're playing shortstop, a ground ball coming at you, and you might screw it up. Right. But third base, you're kind of playing in tighter. They call it the hot corner for a reason. It's more reaction. This yep. was more of like a reaction. From yeah. when I saw him to when I put an arrow through him, it was probably 15 seconds at the most, maybe. Oh, wow, quick. You know? Yeah, it was quick. Yep. So and it felt like it was an eternity, but it was quick. So when he was close and he was coming in on your right-hand side? He would have been on my left side. So he would have literally brushed my tree if he would have kept walking. So how, he was how coming close tighter was to he? The tree. He was at six yards when I looked down at, like when I looked down and behind me, he I could see like the top of his head. Oh boy. Yeah. He was tight. So when you, you, you got your phone in your hand, he's at six yards. Like I've been in that situation before where you're kind of <laughs> like, 
shit, how did, how did I get myself in this situation? Like you're, you're trying to, you know, tuck your phone in your pocket and you're trying to do it. I mean, he's at six yards. So, I mean, mm-hmm. even just like your camo on camo, like hitting your leg is enough for him to go, whoa, what was that? Yep. You know, you yeah. heard him break a stick. So that's mm-hmm. how quiet it must have been, you know. So if you made one little zipper noise, one little, you know, even getting your bow off the bow hanger, one little tink that might, might have, you know, triggered him to look. So you got to be stealth yep. in that situation. Yeah, and honestly, call it for what it is, or what you can call me, say yeah, it's bullshit or whatever. But usually when I'm like, I I do look at my phone. I wouldn't say quite a bit, but you know, I'm on my phone a little bit when I'm in the stand. It kind of gets boring here and there checking social media, doing this at this, I was watching a football game. But what I do is like, I actually have the phone in my lap, like sitting on my leg with a hand on it. So like, and it's kind of half, not half, but like a quarter in my pocket to where it's just like a slip. Like I yep. just got to slip it in my pocket. In this instant, it worked out. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? If I would have been <laughs> holding it in front of my face and I had to move, I'd have been, I'd have been screwed. But you know, in <laughs> When I was younger, I always, my dad taught me to leave my bow on my knees, like on my lap. I don't do that. I hang my bow up all the time. Like I always hang my bow up, but I always put it to where it's literally right by my left shoulder or or my hand or my grip is literally like right by my left shoulder bicep. So it's, it's not that much. It is movement. I mean, I'm not trying to say it's better than one. I hate holding on to my bow all night. You know, I've. I haven't been into a lot of situations where I wasn't able to get to my bow. Actually, none. I don't remember any situations I've never been able to get to my bow to get a shot off. Yeah. So until that starts happening a lot, I'm really not going to do anything different. So. so it's kind of funny, a little side note here, but like when you first start deer hunting, you put an arrow in your bow at the house. I don't know if you ever did that when I was a yep. kid, like 10, 12 oh, yeah. years old. I used to like hunt to my tree stand. It's kind of funny. And then, you know, as you progress, you sit with the bow on your lap. And then as hunting's progressed from there, okay, now it's on a bow hanger. And then you watch guys like on TV, Mark Drury, who's sitting in a muddy blind. He don't even have an arrow out of his quiver. <laughs> and it's like, that that's next level. That's like expert. He's like, no, I'm not even putting one in my bow until I'm yeah. ready. So it's kind of funny how it's like, it's almost like you would think it'd be the opposite. You'd think if you were an expert, you'd put it, you know, an arrow in at the house and walk out hunting, but it's actually the complete opposite. Yep. And you know, a lot of that I think is just not knowing and not being comfortable with this and in high anticipation as well. I mean, when you're 12 years old and still wet behind the ears, it's like, man, right. dear, are they going to start running out at me here? Are right. We be you able you to have no idea. As I'm walking here or what is it, you know? And now it's the point where it's like, you know, I think I've my, I think last year was my 21st year of hunting, like right. legitimately like bow hunting, I think it was or 20th year. I can't remember, but, um, you know, you've, I've been to a lot of places. I've, I've hunted a lot of time in the tree and it's like, you find, you find different ways to be able to be successful and also be like efficient. You know, like if, if I was getting busted a lot going for my bow when a deer was coming in, then I wouldn't be hanging it up, but I have yet to do that. So, uh, my dad, he still to this day will not shoot a deer standing up. He's got to be sitting down. So the bow is always, oh yeah, yeah. So we, you know, when we set up stands for him, you know, he's got to be able to shoot sitting down. Really? Mm-hmm. Well, it's one last thing you got to do, you know, in my early stages of bow hunting, I remember trying to stand up to shoot one of my first deer and, you know, I got the bow in my hand and I go halfway up and the deer sure. spooks, you know, looks at you. So if you don't got to stand up, I mean, you can be that much stealthier. I just, I'm more comfortable standing for some reason. I think if I see a deer a long way off, which I'm tall too, and the stands are only 18 inches tall. So that always drives me crazy, but if I see deer a long way off, I just want to stand up immediately. Like get up, yep. get comfortable, get the camera, get the bow, get everything like situated. So that way, you know, you can move. If I have to turn all the way around, I, for me, it's just easier to mm-hmm. to stand up. But sometimes like that, you know, situation that you had killing that deer, I'm assuming you were sitting down watching your phone and he come right in, twig snapped. And it's like, oh man, because then yep. you're, then you're limited to only being able to shoot one direction when you're sitting. Yeah. And that one I was sitting down, but I will tell you majority of the time, whether I'm f- filming for sure, but if hunting, I'm standing up most of the time. Mm-hmm. Filming 100%, I'll sit down just to take a quick break, but I'm standing up. If it's November, the rut, I am standing up standing. with the camera right at my chest because, 
you know, you never know when a doe might bust through and a buck's behind him and you got to get right on him. You That's know? it. You said like um, this kill was, you know, 50, that buck was there 15 seconds. So, yeah. so really is like, as soon as that twig snapped, there's a timer going 15 mm-hmm. seconds before you got an arrow out of your bow. Yep. So it's like, you got to be ready. You got to hunt like you're ready. You know, you just never yeah. know. Even though it's not the rut, October, that was still like a, a casual encounter, but it was only 15 seconds. For sure. And, and, you know, I talked about that barrier of trees that I left there. I could have cut a lot of those limbs off, but I'm like, honestly, when I was trimming it out in the, in the summer, I was like, this will be a good opportunity to be able to see deer come through. And I, then I've got like a 15 yard buffer that I know they're going to come through this little gap where I killed them, where I can stand up if I have to, or I can grab my bow or I can pull it back and it worked to perfection. So I think about that stuff too, when I'm setting up a stand or even prepping a tree that I might do a hang and bang in. Like if you can figure out, especially early season like this, where bed to food is, or, you know, where you think deer are really going to be filtering through and spending a lot of time, you can manipulate those spots to where like I've, I've laid trees down where, you know, it made the deer have to circle out 20 yards in front of me and give me a shot. You know, I've done that before. So those little things like that can go a long way. And in this instance, it really helped. So, yeah, that's awesome. It's always good to leave some cover like the way that you did too, because when that buck's in there at six yards and you got to make a move, you have to get your bow and you have to draw and you can see that he's about to move behind. I mean, it don't matter if it's one tree or a you know, a bush or whatever it is like, okay, he's behind that cover that I could have trimmed and I had better shots, but I I left it there so I can get away with that movement, uh, of getting your bow back. So that's, that's useful too. I used to over trim all my spots. I used to get in there and I I still do. (laughs) I do. Cause I'm like, what if he comes this way? What if he comes this way? Yep. And, um, you know, Lauren and I just killed Missouri a week and a half ago and that, that tree was hardly trimmed out. And I'm so glad because all the deer that were there, they couldn't see us, you know, just, yep it's that fine line between you want it trimmed out and you want, you want good cover for sure. Yeah, no, I agree. So I slipped an arrow through this deer and you know, motions are high and you know, I, I get down, I think I probably waited 20 minutes or so. I got down and it was starting to get dark and I was like, I, I didn't have a flashlight with me. I had my phone, but I'm like, I want to see, what this arrow looks like. Cause he just ran out, he ran out in the field and then I never heard anything. Usually they're running in the woods and you can hear him fall or whatever, but he is right. going straight West. And I'm like, I can't hear nothing. And, uh, I get down and going back to everything's wet. There was hardly any blood on my arrow. Oh, and I'm like, Oh God, did I miss him? I'm like, there's no way I missed him. I felt like I, I felt like I saw the arrow hit him and he meal kicked. I know he meal kicked. And I'm like, then you start second guess, second guessing. Oh shit. yeah, and I'm like you're, you're playing it back in oh, your head. No. Yeah, like, I'm like oh, no, 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 no. Don't do this. Don't do this. So I pick the arrow up and I just le- I stick it in the ground right there. And I'm like, well, I'll I'm gonna be back because I I'm gonna try to go get some help. And I had you know some guys that were hunting the property were hunting in the back, and uh, he was running. Uh, you know where you and I were doing trying to get those birds in the field. Uh, you were filming me in the, the high um, alfalfa field this year? Yep, yep, yep. Okay, so my buck was running right at him. And, you know, we have the two-track tra- two trail right there. Yep. So to get back to our cabin, you got to go down this trail. Well, I'm like, he's probably going to be out in the field that or whatnot. I get back to my truck, and then a buddy of mine, Patrick, that hunts with us over there, he calls me. He's like, hey, there's a dead buck right here about 30 yards off the trail. Just want to know if uh, it was yours or not. And I'm like, yep, that would be him. <laughs> and he ran probably like a hundred yards at the most river and piled up right on the edge of the, right on the edge of the trail there. And I'm like, yes. Dude, <laughs> so, that, that is awesome, dude. October yeah. 1st, like that is what everybody dreams of doing is doing yeah. what you did. So that's freaking cool. Yep. And that's it, honestly before that, I've, I have not had great luck in October hunting, but since then I've had some pretty good luck. Like October 10th, uh, the Jim Abbott story, you know, I had an opportunity to him, didn't hit him very good. Um, but I had my opportunity October 10th, 32 yards. Um, and then that one, October 18th, I killed a good buck on that same farm with my bow. Um, October 20th, this last year, 
I well, I missed one on October 29th, and then uh, October 20th, I had a really close encounter with a with a good deer. So my October hunting, I feel like, is on the upscale. Like uh, I'm getting a little better at it. I feel like, <laughs> but um, no, I, I'm I'm no expert at any sort of hunting. I just try to do what I feel like is right and see what happens, kind of thing. So for, for sure, and I think a lot of it is you know this doesn't get talked about much, but you have to have a property that that hunts well in October in a way, yep, like you, you said, you, you have that Christmas tree farm or you might have, you know, that wheat field or whatever it is, you have to have an area that's going to hold deer for small amounts of movement because they're not moving a mile like they do in November. They're only moving yep. a few, a few hundred yards. So, um, I haven't had the best luck in October. I killed my first buck I ever killed in October. I've killed a lot of does in October, but it's normally for me that first week in November. And I think that's more the, the main reason to that is because the farms that I hunt are more of like pass through farms. Mm-hmm. They, they don't necessarily like live there. There's not these, you know, ideal thickets. There's not, you know, a bunch of pines. There's not something that's really going to like, I don't know, like hold a deer that great in October. Right. So you have to be in a good spot that's going to hold deer in October. So that's really important. I, I agree, man. I, you know, being able to have the situation where the farm lays out that way is, is nice. And in my family farm where, where I killed this deer is, it's kind of difficult. It's big woods. Um, it's, it's, it's hard in general to get a pattern on a deer and especially in Michigan, like a high pressured state, like it's so hard to get a pattern on a deer. And honestly, if I didn't get this Intel from my neighbor, I, I, I don't know if I would have went and checked that camera or not because I was so set on that, that stand down on the other end of the farm where I hunted that morning. I really felt like I was going to kill that deer down there. Um, and if he wouldn't have told me that, I probably wouldn't have went up and checked that camera. You know That's what I crazy. mean? So um, that helped out a lot. So he probably, yeah, he probably killed that deer for me. But the camera data, if, if I would have, how much of a pattern that deer was on, you know, that that was my best odds. Those are my best opportunity. And and he was not. He was there for three days in a row. I think it was three days in a row. And then he wasn't there for like two days. And then on the on October first night, he came through again, and I stuck him. So then that kind of opened up the question. Like that was like the first significant buck that I killed with the wind coming to his back while he was like coming to me. And I thought to myself, and this was a question I asked a lot of people that were a lot better hunters than me, and and had and to ask them if they've had this instance and they have and basically the the uh general consensus of what people were saying was like that deer felt really comfortable in that situation he's been there he's done that he kind of threw caution to the wind going into the destination food and you know he wasn't boogered yet and you caught him early enough kind of thing that's what a lot of people were saying for sure. This is not, not to quote like a book reference, but I'm, I'm a, I like to read a lot. And this book that I read is called Deep Survival from Lawrence Gonzalez. And he talks about how the more likely you do something or after, if you do something and get away with it, like for example, if I went skydiving on the weekend and I went skydiving three times, every time I go skydiving, I assume that skydiving safe because I've already done it. So right. it's kind of, you know, adequates the same way for deer. You know, if that buck is like, Hey, you know, I kind of got the wrong wind, but I already daylighted out there twice every time he does it, you know, he might not care about the wind as much because, you know, he's did it and he got away with it. So every time he does it again, you know, he's probably less cautious about the wind and the dangers of it. For sure. And, you know, he could have been right on the verge of doing another transition too, like switching his pattern again. Um, and fun fact, that nine, that tit nine pointer, one of our guys shot him opening day rifle season, but I was actually back for like two days in November, uh, like November 2nd and 3rd, I think I was back from a filming and I, I hunted those two days. Well, I went back down where I was getting that tit nine and then my buck frequently on camera down in that swamp and that pinch, my dad and I went in there and we, I figured that tit nine was still down there. Like that was his home because the eight kind of transitioned up to me. And we were getting him on camera, the nine, we were getting him on camera down by that, in that swamp. So I'm like, we had two stands set down there. I said, let's go down there. Either one of us is going to kill him or we're going to see him. And I, we both went down there and he ended up coming out on me at 60 yards embedded with a doe for three and a half hours at 60 yards. And I couldn't get an arrow in him. And then when they got up, they walked away. And I would, I almost like 
got an opportunity at him too and i'm like dang it and then one of our guys shot him uh, opening day of gun season so that was cool though too like yeah um you know we both our camp got both deer so that was really neat that's super cool dude so that that spot that you killed out of is that like do you think that that spot is just a, a really good spot where you have that stand and that's going to be good every single year, every October 1st? Or do you think this was just like a situational thing for that one deer that was happened to be doing that? Very situational thing. Um, I, <clears throat> excuse me, I, a couple years, you know, after that, like the next year I went in and tried to find a a place to put a stand on the south side of that opening so I could hunt it more on like west winds and north winds and stuff like that. Um, I put a stand in there, hunted a couple times. The deer movement just went down to like, I don't know if I screwed it up or what had happened, but um, the deer just didn't use it anymore like they, they did. And uh, I, I kind of like axed that spot off and, and uh, haven't really went back there since. So um, but yeah, that was a situational thing. I think the, I think the rain had something to do with it. I think, um, it was the only deer I've ever killed on a full moon. It was a full moon at that time. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just think it was the overcast, the rain, um, you know, and just catching a deer before he really got into his fall, his fall pattern and his fall spot and just caught him at the right time. Probably more lucky than good to be honest with you. Actually, I know <laughs> it is. I, I just got real lucky that night. There, there's nothing wrong with that. So honestly, <laughs> one one of the biggest factors there was, I mean, it sounds like talking to your neighbor. I mean, more than anything, I, obviously the trail cam data was super important too, but like you said, without talking to him, you probably wouldn't even have went in and checked that camera. So right. I don't even talk to my neighbors that much. Maybe I should talk <laughs> to them a little bit more because that, that played a huge role. I mean, that was, that piece of data was more important than a cold front. It was more important than, you know, a red moon or whatever it was because, you know, when you, when you got that information, you went in, checked that camera, he was there and then boom, you were able to kill him. So For that's, sure. that's super important, man. Um, yep. so got any bucks tied up right now for October one? Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> I know the they're heck? around. I, I just don't have a beat on, on doors, a buck. Talk to all your neighbors. No, nope, I haven't nope. talked to any neighbors. <laughs> I, you know, that farm that I killed on my family farm, I have one camera out there. I don't have any stand set, or I shouldn't say that. I have one stand set, but I have a lot of trees prepped. I'm doing all mobile hunting up there. I'm running and gunning, just kind of, I want to go in blind. I, I just want to like kind of hunt off the, hunt off the land this year and, and kind of get back to what I, you know, what I was taught to do and use the land a little bit more and get in some areas that I've never really got into and, and just try to do that and figure out the deer and figure out where they're at. Um, I've, I've put a lot of merit and trail cams on that farm. And now it's just like, I've stayed the hell out of that whole farm this whole summer and I'm ready to get in like October 1st and let's, let's find something. Let's find yeah. something and, and, and go in blind and kill something. That's, that's my goal. Um, my one acre farm, there's throughout the summer there was five deer that five bucks that uh, frequent a lot that are good bucks. I mean nothing real huge, but good enough for me. Um, I'm not gonna lie to you. In the last month and a half, my cameras have went dry. Uh, have not seen deer over there at all. Um, I, I've seen does, but no bucks. We have so much corn up around us this year, and it's not off yet. So. I feel like when that corn starts getting shelled and, and cut and everything, like I think the deer will start moving around, they'll be there. Um, but normally I usually have bucks pretty frequent at this time in the one acre on cell cam and there's nothing yet. So I'm, I'm a little worried, but I'm not so worried cause it'll happen. It, they'll, they'll come in here and like I said, I've said it before, mid October is the time I need to be on that, that, that farm. Yeah, that makes sense. That's so. uh, that's kind of like my farm in a way. I just have that twenty-acre piece, and I j like I said, I just got that picture that one of the shooter bucks. I had him in velvet, and he came through the other night about midnight, eleven o'clock at night. And my farm's like a pass-through farm, so it's like he doesn't really live there. He's probably just transitioning from you know A to B, and he happened to go through there. So my only hopes of getting lucky in October, which I haven't had the greatest success, is is striking on a cold front, waiting yep. for that you know that cold day. And then get into where you know I've seen him on camera. Even if, if I seen him at midnight, that's okay. I want to be in the area that he's using, and I want to do it on a cold front. Because if if it's not a cold front, I just don't 
I don't feel optimistic enough that he's going to be in there. You know what I mean? For sure. Yeah. And honestly, cold fronts in October are like starting to be my new, like favorite thing to do. Like yeah. if I get a 10 degree drop, I, I, I mean, it could be October 6th and I'm like, yep, going yep. in or October 16th. I'm going in, you know, yep. it's, it's cool to, I'm not going to lie to you. Like I, you know, back 10 years ago, I didn't do that a lot. I was still pretty green, you know, yeah. like thinking I knew a lot, but I didn't. I still, I don't think I know a lot now, but I'm learning, but there's just these little nuances that I'm trying to strike on and I'm getting more successful. I mean, since 2015, I, I've been year after year, I've, I've had really good luck and have been pretty successful. And, uh, before that, you know, the 10 years coming up to that, it was like, you know, I might go two years without a buck or, you know, I might kill two bucks in a row, like, you know, season after season, then I might go three years dry. Well, now it's more of a consistent thing. Um, it's usually just about every year so far. And it's like, okay, I got to, you know, I'm doing something right. What am I doing here? And, and kind of keep building on that. Yeah. Yeah. That makes total sense. So, well, cool, man. Let's, let's, do you got any more questions? Cause I'm going to, I'm going to cut this loose if you don't. Only thing I was going to ask you is like, obviously you've killed a bunch of deer in early October. I mean, maybe not necessarily early, but like October, you've killed a good amount of October deer. Um, so somebody that was want, wanting to go hunt either the first week of October or the first cold front in October, like what piece of advice would you give them? And maybe, maybe kind of like, where would they go set up? Would you recommend like in the woods or a food plot or, or what's, what's like your ideal go-to for early October? Um, re- trying to get a bead on a deer, <laughs> honestly. Yeah. Um, not going in blind like I used to. Uh, <laughs> if I, like right now I'm going in blind. I don't have... I can tell you the scenario right now. October 1st is Friday. I think I'm probably going to be leaving for Illinois this weekend. I'm not sure. But if I'm here in Michigan, I don't have a bead on a deer right now. Um, I prepped a tree on my family farm that I have stayed out of since May. And I I want to jump in there. And, the re- and it's it's thick. It's a thick spot. I feel like I'm within 150 yards from the bedding, but I'm sitting over the only acorn tree in the whole, like in, in the matter of like probably 60 or 70 acres. Oh, wow. Like it's a big oak tree in the middle. It almost looks like a turd in a punch bowl. Like it's like, it shouldn't be there. You know <laughs> like what I mean? A, like a deer feeder sitting out there. Exactly. And, um, the acorns are dropping like crazy right now. So that is like probably going to be like a go-to for sure. Um, going in blind, but normally I want to try to get a bead on a deer. Like my one acre farm, I can see a long way. It's a lot of ag. I've been spending a lot of mornings right now in the last couple days. Um, and I'm at my house building my house on the one acre farm. So I'm there every night. So I'm glancing out and it's all beans right now, just seeing how the deer are moving. Um, but if I get a bead on a buck within the next couple days here, I might push in on them there. Um, I know that really doesn't answer your question, but there's a lot of field edge hunting on the one acre, or I've got two stands where I can dive in like in the thick stuff. So just depends. I mean, yeah, just trying to find something in a scenario, like a farm country I'm trying to find something to go after, but big woods, I've got, you know, I got a spot that I've stayed the heck out of all summer and acorns are, are good right now. Um, I think I'm going to push in there probably. Okay. So I stuck a cell camera out behind my house back in the big timber back there. And I've never really run cameras back there because it's the canopy is so thick. It's like so dark. I mean, it looks like it's, you know, six, seven o'clock at night in the middle of the day because there's no undergrowth. It's just like, you know, dead looking. And I stuck a cell camera back there just because I've never had one. And I'm getting like crazy consistent photos because it's a cell cam like in the middle of the day, like three o'clock, five o'clock. I mean, you know, it's even six o'clock and these deer are just moving right by this camera all hours of the day. And I can't help but think that those deer are bedded, I mean, right by there. You know what I mean? Because right. I don't think yep. they're tra- transitioning anywhere. I don't really think they're feeding. I think they're bedded within a hundred yards of that camera. So my game plan for October is kind of just, I don't even think I really need a cold front, especially if I want to shoot a doe or something, but I could actually go in and do exactly what you did. I already have a tree pre-trimmed out. And I'll probably go in there like at like noon because I have pictures as early as like two o'clock. So I'll go in there at like noon, one o'clock and hang a stand, get up in the tree. And I'm assuming that I'm going to be hanging really close to where those deer are bedded. 
For sure. And uh, yeah, but it's kind of cool just because that cell cam data, you know, gave me that. Because if not, I wouldn't even have checked it. I probably wouldn't yep. go back in to check that camera until mid-October and I would have never hunted it. So that cell camera data, you know, being sent right to my phone, it's like, oh, wow, there's deer moving in there. So I'm going to hunt that area. It's kind of cool. Good deal, man. I hope you kill one early. Yeah, I, I hope so too. I, I don't think... Uh, it's not looking that great for, for bucks yet, but that's that's one thing fun about early October is get out there and, and shoot some does and, and try to try to figure some deer out. Yep. Good deal, man. I'm going to cut this loose. I appreciate you coming on and kind of being the host this week. I mean, good idea on your part to, you know, tag along, and I appreciate that. You asked, asked some questions that were like, it wasn't me just sitting here blabbering. I mean, I did talk a lot, but, <laughs> you know, you broke up the monotony. <laughs> For sure, man. I was trying my best here to hit you with some questions. But. <laughs> You're good. <laughs> You're good, man. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate it. For sure, man. I had fun. That was a cool story. All right. There you have it. Thank you very much, Tyler, for coming on, buddy. Greatly appreciated. That was a cool idea. I thought maybe you guys thought it was really stupid, but that was a story I haven't told in a while. And uh, he was like, hey, I'd love to come on and help and give some questions. So that was really cool. A different dynamic. And uh, hopefully you guys took a little bit from it. So Good luck to everybody out there this fall. If you guys have a story and you want to talk about and come on the podcast, shoot me you know, a DM on Instagram or shoot me an email or something and say, hey, let's, uh, let's hook up and tell about some cool, successful stories. I'd love to hear it. Or if you guys have a good story about you know, early October hunting that, you know, for some reason or another, you got it done, let me know. So that'd be greatly appreciated. So with that being said, thank you guys very much for all the support and all the downloads. Please go to iTunes, leave a five-star rating and leave a written review. And don't forget, we'll be right here next week on the fall podcast.